0: Hi, and welcome back to the Church Renewal Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Edwards. And today we're featuring a renewal story. In our Renewal Stories series, we bring to light the voices of pastors and ministry leaders on the front lines, renewing their city, renewing the ministries of local churches. And today we're happy to have Jeff Logston on the program. Jeff's pastor in Arizona was recently featured in Gordon Penfold's book, Restart Churches. Podcast listeners will remember that we interviewed Gordon earlier this season and uh, he's got a great story about the nexus of church planting and the revitalization of a a church that was at the end of its life cycle. So tune in uh, to this episode and uh, afterwards share it with a friend. We'd love to uh, magnify the voices of, of these stories of God doing really good and interesting work on the front lines of ministry. All right, let's dig into the ways that Jesus is renewing his church. Right, so we're so glad to welcome Jeff Logston onto the Church Renewal Podcast today. Jeff left Southern California to work with a church planting team in Tucson, and two years ago, he launched Hope City Church uh, in Tucson, um, out of a church that was uh, in, in its kind of final season of ministry. Uh, it's important to Jeff to seek relationships with like-minded people in his city to move from impoverished communities to a thriving city of generosity. He was recently featured in Gordon Penfold's book, Restart Churches, and uh, spoke at the Exponential Conference in Orlando, Florida in 2020. Um, Podcast listeners will remember that we spoke with Gordon about his book earlier this season, and we are really happy to have Jeff on with us today to tell his story. Jeff, welcome to the Church Renewal Podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. Hey, we are so excited to have you, brother. Um, So, So the story of your work in Tucson is really the story of of replanting or restarting the the kind of nexus of something new and something old crossing paths and something beautiful happening out of that. But let's back up a little bit and tell me what drew you to Tucson and, and what was it that God was calling you to when you first came into that city?
1: There's an irony in the question because I had always told God I would never come to Tucson. Uh, my family is here I think the thing that has drawn me is my my parents and my wife's parents are here now and in their uh in their season of retirement it was important to my wife and I to be able to have our children next to their grandparents we would visit here at Christmas time and in the summer I think it was especially the time during the summer that compelled us never to want to move here and uh without maybe getting into this story in detail, I will tell you, we were at a uh, homeless outreach event in Southern California that I had been a part of for a number of years. Uh, It was a year like the years before, with the exception that one of my previous employers from when I was 15 years of age, I'm 47 now, shows up at this homeless outreach event. And it caught me by surprise. I said, what, Lisa, what are you doing here? And she said, I feel like God is Led me here to tell you something. And I said, that's bizarre. But <laughs> but what, what's on your mind? And after talking for a little bit, we were in a season of soul searching, what's next? Not sure about what that looked like. And it was like the Dome of Silence uh, fr- from Get Smart had set on the environment that we were in. And she said the words, I think God is gonna move you to Tucson. And my wife's in tears, and I'm like, I don't think so. And in the months to follow, it was just like everything came into place where where we found ourselves in in Tucson. I will say this one thing, and it's kind of maybe not everyone's experience, but it was a confirmation because the road here has been so rough, but we knew we were called here. And so there was never any question. But following Lisa's statement, I think you're going to be moving to Tucson. I said, Lord, if you want us to move to Tucson, I need you to give my pastor a dream because I can't go apart from his blessing. And we sat in his office several months after that period of time. And he said, Jeff, how is ministry going? And I said, it's good, but I'm not sure I'm where I'm supposed to be. And I can't explain it. And he said, I had a dream you were going to Tucson. And um, totally unprecipitated, but he, he shared those words and then backpedaled. And I said, you don't have to backpedal. God's already revealed it to us. I was just afraid to ask you because I didn't have your blessing. And he looked at me in his office sitting across the coffee table. And he said, Jeff, I want to
0: bless you. And that's, that's what led us here. Wow. Wow. That is beautiful. I think one of the hardest things in church life and ministry is, is letting go. If you've got a great volunteer, a great team member and, and sending them off. I mean, but I mean, isn't that exactly what Jesus did, right? He had his 12 and he sent them, you know, I mean, and, and um, and the, the world is blessed by it. The spirit, and I'm, I'm, I have a, a strong conviction in this, but the spirit with
1: which we leave a ministry is the same spirit that becomes that seed that plants the next ministry. And so we didn't want to leave apart from his blessing. Since we've been in Tucson, I've met people from other parts of the country that have moved here. They sat with their pastor and said, I feel called to lead a church, and because of their gender or what have you, their previous their previous pastor and mentor said, I won't, I won't, I won't uh, get behind you in this work that God is doing. And I, it it breaks my heart, but we've, you talk about, I mean, you're foreshadowing with that conversation about a uh, a city of generosity. Part of that for me is wherever God is at work, we want to join him in that work. And so when people come to Tucson looking to, to see kingdom, The kingdom of God grow, we want to help. We want to bless.
0: Yeah. So you had a a background and a a connection and a heart for the work of church planting. Um, We often say that there are similar characteristics between guys who can maintain a church and who can lead change in an existing church. And then there are similar characteristics between the guys who turn around an existing church and guys who plant, it's almost like a, a spectrum or a continuum. Um, what do you think are some of the overlapping characteristics or skills or, or whatever between the the kind of guys God uses to plant a new work and the kind of folks God tends to use to turn around an existing, an existing situation? Do you feel like you you see any of those because you've kind of swam in, in both uh, waters a little bit?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's a powerful question, and I honestly have not thought about it. Um, for me, so I have worked with a church planning coach, um, and that has been important just to help keep me on track. Uh, you know, we can't work inside of a vacuum. I think it's important to surround ourselves with people who, who see things objectively, Mm-hmm. Um, that wise counsel, but I think there's a certain sense of intuitiveness to be able to understand the culture or the context, the landscape, what's currently happening in that particular environment. Um, I think looking at what was in the space that we're now in, part of the questions that I asked had to do with what things are working well, because not everything has to die. Um, in that particular context for us, it meant. The church was a prayerful church. Uh, mm-hmm. That's an important important piece that was already there. Um, the church was a great steward of its resources, so we didn't inherit debt at all. Um, mm-hmm. the, the current location was strategically placed within within the city that we're surrounded by. Those were strengths that we that I could see. And then and then the flip side of that is, what are the opportunities that are there to be able to leverage? Now, in our case, one of the opportunities was viewed as a weakness by the previous per, um, pastor that was here was, well, and I would even add the previous church that was here. The comment was made, we don't want to invest in the immediate community because they don't have any money. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it was it was a piercing response because in my mind, I knew God, God's not a respecter of persons. What they have or don't have is not, is not important to him as much as the heart of the people turning back to him. And so what we saw was a community that desperately needed to experience the love of Jesus. And if, well, I should say because they desperately needed to experience that God was going to make a way financially. And Mm -hmm. so the thing that was a, a deterrent from the previous church, you know, the um, poverty of the existing community, I felt was a strength because it, it was a, a, a group of people that God wanted to reach. He just wanted to know who was willing to reach them. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I'm trying to summarize for you what are the strengths that are currently there? What are the opportunities that could be seen? A certain degree of intuitiveness, maybe, to understand that, but also if a person doesn't have that insight or discernment, you know, are there, are there people, men and women um, of wisdom that could help speak into that situation?
0: Yeah. I I like that. You said intuitiveness about the culture of the place. So in in a minute, I want, I'd love for you to tell our listeners how it came to be that a, a church plant ended up kind of overtaking an existing church that was at the end of its life cycle but before we get there, I think you've, you've hit on something that, that one of our coaches at Flourish West White, a word he gave to us a few years ago was the word curiosity. I think one of the, the key characteristics that a church planter and that a renewal revitalization leader has in common is a curiosity about the community. In established churches that are just used to things being steady and normal, I think it's easy to lose your curiosity. But when you're a planter you go into a place even if it's a even if you're planting in a in a place you know you have to stay curious sure and if you want to revitalize a church or turn a church around you have to help that church become curious about the culture that that into you you said an intuition about the culture but just that sense of we need to know and study and understand who is it that god has given us to minister to you know i'll tell you a great story about that we i mean part of the community we minister is is
1: to the homeless we we live and, and this is fascinating, but we live in a very transient um, uh, stretch of property where this an alley between a porn shop and a recycling center, and so uh, by virtue of w- what's around us, it lends itself to a highway for for those who are homeless. And I've had them sit in my office and just just ask them questions, you know, which I think was probably as weird for them, but I said if I gave you five bucks, what, what could you get with that five bucks here in the neighborhood? And the comment that surprised me was, hey, Jeff, what you don't understand is when the sun goes down right across the street, it's Madison Square Garden and the drug activity, you can get anything you want for five bucks. And how easy is it for us just to hand $5 to someone who, who's in need thinking we're helping them, but we're really perpetuating a problem? Yeah, It's the curiosity that lends itself to the question to really understand how we're helping or how we're hurting an existing dynamic.
0: Yeah. So so to talk more about that neighborhood that y'all are ministering in, at some point in your journey in Tucson, you kind of zeroed in on this place and seeing a new work birthed by God in this place, Hope City Church. And at the same time, you were using the offices of an existing church that was in what we might charitably call the the end of its life cycle. It. Uh, the The pastor was kind of um, struggling with energy and had some health issues. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about how did how did a church plant kind of cross paths with this existing church and and what was born out of that?
1: I think initially when the when the invitation was made to come and be a part, my first desire was to honor the people who were here. Mm-hmm. And to see if there was any way to revitalize that, I think after a year, several you know tens of thousands of dollars invested, uh, funds raised, new life coming, it was apparent that we weren't going to be able to turn it around. And, yeah. and it was unfortunate, but we brought in someone from the outside, uh, 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 the director of the association, to sit with the board and to say, hey, look, and, and this was the hard truth. You can either, it was one of two options. You could either uh, hang on to what you got and write it into the ground and nothing will come from that. Or you can turn it over to this church planner, myself, and birth something new. And so first and foremost, we tried to honor what was and see if we could revitalize what what was there. But it was just not, it wasn't possible, unfortunately. I'm glad that they blessed us with the opportunity to start something new. And in that, um, I I think led to the connection with one of your former interviewers, uh, Gordon Penfold, in in a book that he wrote that led us to, uh, I think, seven insights uh, to be able to assess how the new work was not going to be, I I use the word infected, and I think it's kind of a strong word, but I think that Mm -hmm. picture of infection you don't want the new birth to be um reminiscent of what was before it has to be its own thing and stand on its own and the community has to see it as something new if it's going to be given a chance
0: yeah yeah it's like um i i uh, grow tomatoes in my backyard and if i pick a bunch of tomatoes and one of them has a bunch of rot in it if i leave them if i leave it in the bin with all my other good tomatoes that rot that mold it's going to spread and so without casting aspersion or casting blame, what were those cultural things from the old church that you were really trying to guard against coming into the new work? If you can maybe highlight one or two of those. One specifically was the desire not to want to interact with the immediate
1: community, which was heartbreaking because the immediate community, you know, it's, it was impoverished. It's struggling. Um, uh, uh, but they they just didn't, we have our Bible study, and we don't want them to be a part of it, so there was a distinct separation from the community. Mm-hmm. Um, if you reached out to the community at large and said, "What what is your awareness of this church that is in this space? They, it, it was hard for anyone in the immediate surrounding to know anything about the church because of that separation, so it didn't necessarily have an impact in the community um so the, the the separation from from its surroundings and the desire not to want to allow new new life to come in were two real challenges
0: yeah so uh when you talk about the community that God has called you to um you've mentioned before that there are some significant economic challenges in that community i imagine that brings with it some significant social challenges um we often say that for a church to be renewed and revitalized, uh, there there has to be a this um, this curiosity to know the place and to be a particular people in a particular place, and it, and it sounds like for you all in the particular place you're in, fulfilling the mission of Jesus means in this place really entering into that, um, and th- and I think I imagine that's what gives birth to this this uh, concept. Uh, seeing Tucson become a city of generosity. What is That seems like it's something pretty core to your mission. What what do you mean by that? And and how is Tucson becoming a city of generosity? How does that intersect with um, the mission of Jesus to advance his kingdom?
1: There was an interesting parallel alongside of the opportunity to birth the church on 22nd near Craycroft. And that was when we first arrived here, not knowing where we were going to plant I immediately joined the local chamber of commerce, not as a pastor, but as an entrepreneur and a business person. That relationship opened doors with the mayor of Tucson, the former mayor. That relationship with the mayor through the local chamber, when it became apparent that Hope City was going to be the place of this new church, created a bridge for me to sit with the mayor and to say, hey, look, I'm here to serve you. What are the immediate needs of that Twenty Second Street corridor? And the mayor, you know, he he he'd been there for a long time, and he told me immediately, Jeff, your neighborhood struggles with five things, and the Tucson Police Department will tell you door to door what each of those struggles are. It begins first and foremost with domestic violence. Um, it's addiction, drug addiction. It's prostitution. It's welfare checks for um, seniors and children alike living in unsafe living conditions, and then robbery. Those are the five things that your immediate community struggles with. And those were the things that we said, hey, look, we want to be a part of helping solve that problem. So today, you, you one church in and of itself is not going to create a city of generosity, and that's not to downplay or disregard the power of God and his Holy Spirit in the community. It's to say that the church is not intended to function autonomously. And so for us, we've linked arms by the grace of God. Uh, There are 10 different um, church partners that we have throughout the city that invest in us, not just monetarily, but also physically. Um, they, They come and they serve. And then we have 15 community partners that partner with us to help revitalize what God is doing throughout the 22nd Street Corridor. So our second year, uh, we just celebrated on Sunday, August 9th, and uh, we had a video montage. Some of those videos are captured on our website at HopeCityChurchTucson.com, but there's these video montages of those partners just saying, hey, happy birthday, Hope City. Thank you for what you're doing in the community. But it's been a partnership, and prior to our coming here, there was a stigma that I, that I wasn't aware of, but I quickly learned churches north of a certain boundary line did not help churches south of a certain boundary line in our city. And it wasn't because they didn't want to, it was there There was this natural separation between affluence and poverty throughout the community. Tucson, yeah. if you're not familiar with this, is the fifth most impoverished metropolitan US city. That status pre-COVID, so I don't know what that looks oh, like to you. Yeah. But um, because of the poverty and because of the absence of the connection between the community and the local church, there is both a physical need and a spiritual need that God, I think, has done a great job of, of addressing through the
0: openness of the local church to meet that need. Great. Well, thanks for sharing that, Jeff. That vision for seeing the kingdom of Jesus come to bear on a community like like the Israelites in the Babylonian captivity, you know, to seek the good of the city um, is is an encouraging message. And uh, uh, if you're cool with it, I'd like to kind of finish on this question. Um, they say that one of the nice things about planting a church is that you really get to shape the culture early on. It's one of the things you don't get to do when you're coming into an existing church and, and you kind of have experienced this nexus of the two with the the, the legacy church, gifting and i don't know if it, if you have some of the people from the legacy church that have continued on with hope city church um but when it comes to helping people in the church in an existing church recapture that mindset that you're describing the mindset of a missionary to a place do you have any wisdom or counsel or word from the lord on on how pastors and lay leaders in their churches can can help existing congregations capture this mindset that you're describing that is kind of just in the DNA of Hope City Church. This mindset of we have neighbors right outside the door, and that's who Jesus has called us to minister to. So we need to understand what are the what are the needs in this community. Uh, can you give me some counsel? Can you give our listeners some counsel on how do we help people in the pews today recapture that mindset?
1: I think one of the first things that comes to mind is a prayerful approach to what is it that God is doing in the surrounding community. So outside of the walls of the church, apart from our sacred cows or those things that have seemingly become important to us or central to what we consider the mission to be, what is God doing in the immediate community? where is he blessing? what are the challenges that that are breaking his heart? domestic violence obviously is one of those things that that God would want to see change. So what organizations are out there addressing domestic violence? you know how could we um, build bridges with the local police department to understand this issue of domestic violence in our backyard? Um, you know uh, having the church prayerfully, listen to the things where God is already at work. Um, My church planning coach, friend, mentor said, uh, success is finding out what God is already doing and just joining him in that work. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a piece of it that I would start with. I think the other thing that is important is there are inherently in established churches, a group of stakeholders where the decisions begin and end with. And I think it's important to break that up. And to invite new people to that table or maybe even start a different table where people have the freedom to be able to share ideas um, where they're truly listened to and, and um, their ideas embraced to be able to, to break up that ground, to forge new paths forward, to speak into
0: the life of what God's doing in the community. So prayerfully listen to what God is doing and join him. And invite people to the table to break up the ground for fertile, for fertility, for new fruit in, in the gospel. That's that's good counsel, Jeff. Jeff, thank you so much uh, for sharing um, with us today. If folks want to connect with what you're doing in Tucson, uh, uh, they can reach out to you right through Hope City Church Tucson, Hope City Church altogether.com Are there other ways folks can connect with you and the work God is doing there in Hope City?
1: Yeah. If you want to send me an email, Jeff A. Logston, Logsdon, at gmail.com.
0: Jeff A. Logsdon, L-O-G-S-D-O-N at gmail.com. Reach out to Jeff if you want to learn more about creating cities of generosity, if you, want to, if you want to understand the ways that God is calling them to be missionaries there at Hope City Church. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been great to have you, brother. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And to our listeners, it's been a great episode of the Church Renewal Podcast. We love hearing the stories of what God is doing on the ground in leading renewal in the lives and the ministry of his churches. Um, The Church Renewal Podcast is a ministry of Flourish Coaching. You can always find us at flourishcoaching.org. I'm your host, Alan Edwards. You can get me at Alan, A-L-L-A-N at flourishcoaching.org by email. You know, there's only one fully sufficient reason that this day dawned, and it is that Jesus is yet gathering a people to himself, and the ordinary way he does that is through the work of the church. So join us next time as we dig into the ways that Jesus is renewing his church.